welcome. I'm so glad that you're here with us, that you clicked this button, and we're going to spend some time together. My name is Mariana. I'm here with KJ today. KJ, what's happening? Well, there's a bunch of things that are happening in this exact time and space that the person on the other side of this camera is experiencing. That's true. And as far as the thousands of different things that could be happening to that specific person, it's a very exciting time to be here. <laughs> Good, yes. So Pastor Stetson is here sharing a message, starting a new series today that we're and really looking I I've already to. heard it, and it's amazing. That's true. We did. Okay. And it back. <laughs> yes. So we're going to jump right into it, but just remember, go to our app in order to know everything that is going on here at the church. Explore it around, and let's enjoy this message. But also, so following the sermon, there's going to be a conversation afterwards. Thank you. Uh -huh. Yeah, that's pretty important too. Yes, because stick it's I, I'm very excited about the conversation that's going to be following the sermon. It's something I actually got up today thinking about um, things I'm going to bring up, things I'm going to be questioning, and I just I hope people hang around to hear it. <laughs> well, thank you. You're it welcome, is helpful to hear your heart. Okay, do you forgive me? For what? <laughs> All right, thank you for being here. Enjoy this message. Hey, everybody. My name is Stetson, if we've never met before. And I'm really excited to be with you. Thanks for letting me. So six years ago, a friend of mine invited me to do something that I'd never done before. He asked if I wanted to go fly fishing. And it sounded really cool. So I was like, yeah, let's go fly fishing. So he and I, we drove up in his truck up Poudre Canyon here in Colorado. And we got out, and he had all the gear that I needed, so we suited up, and we stepped into the river. And it was incredible. Like, I, I seriously loved it. I can close my eyes and picture it in detail. It was this fall afternoon. The sun was nearly setting, and there's this rocky cliff face with some trees on top that were raining down these yellow leaves on top of us. And the river was moving around our feet and just the sounds and the smells and the sights of everything was amazing. I loved it. But I realized in that moment, I loved something more than just where we were. I loved what we were doing. I learned in that moment that I love fly fishing. It was this peaceful, meditative thing that just connected to me. It felt like a piece of who I was, and I, that's how I felt leaving from there. I, I left feeling like I had discovered this piece of me that I didn't know about before. So because of that, not long after, I got online and I bought my own fly fishing gear so I could go back out there again and rediscover this thing that I just discovered. So I bought a rod and I bought uh, some waders, those chest high waterproof pants so you can stand in the river. And that was six years ago and I haven't gone once. Those waders, they've never touched water. They're hanging up in a closet inside my house. And I don't like looking at them because they make me feel bad. I feel bad because I feel like I'm neglecting them as if they are this living, breathing thing. But I also feel bad because when I look at them, I feel like I'm looking at a piece of me hanging in the closet, being neglected. And maybe you've got something like that too. Maybe you had 
this experience. Someone took you out to go and do something and, and you discovered this piece of you that you didn't know was there. You discovered something that just makes you come alive and connects with you. And now you have a snowboard that's never touched snow. Or maybe you have some hiking shoes that have never been on a trail. Or maybe you've got a tennis racket that have never hit a ball before. Or maybe it's not sporting equipment. Maybe it's something else. Just this thing that you connected with that spoke to you. And you just haven't gone back to it. That's kind of how I feel about generosity sometimes. There have been these moments, these just moments that have come out of nowhere these spontaneous moments of generosity that have just naturally come out of me where I've helped someone who is in need, sometimes in a significant way. And the feeling of that, I mean, surely you've done something like that too, where you've helped someone who needed help. Don't you remember what that felt like? Like you can't tell me that you didn't feel something. You can't tell me that that didn't connect with you on some deeper level. I mean, for me in those moments, it's just like everything comes alive and I feel whole and like I lack nothing. And, and it's just like, this is incredible. I want to spend the rest of my life doing this. I never want to stop, but then I do. And it gets hung up in the closet again. And I feel bad about that. I mean, for one, yeah, generosity is this thing that we should be doing, like it's good. But I feel bad because it's this thing that has been so good for me. It makes me come alive and I experience this and it connects with who I am and who we are. Well, we're starting a new series and we're calling it Crazy Generosity. And in it, we're taking it out of the closet to take another look at it, to re-explore this thing that we've experienced and that's connected with us and, and some of us have put aside. And to do that, we're going to be looking at the story in the Bible of a few churches that just went overboard in their generosity. Once they started, they never went back. Their snowboards never left the mountain. Their shoes have never come down from the trail. Once their waders stepped into the river, they never stepped out again. And we're going to be looking at the story and see if we can figure out what they figured out so maybe we can get back to this thing that we connected with that was so good for us. So let's take a look. This story, it takes place in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. This was a letter that a guy named Paul wrote to a church in a city called Corinth. And he begins the story like this. This is verse 1 through 4. We want you to know, brothers and sisters, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. Okay, so we've got these churches in a region of the world called Macedonia, and they are experiencing extreme poverty. They, they have very little, but they're giving away almost everything that they can and then some to these other churches who are in need. And they're begging for even more opportunities to do this. And the first time I read this story, I thought to myself, great, thanks for the reminder that I am a terrible person. 
They are generous. I am not. I am very selfish. I will work on that. I'm sorry. But I don't think that's the intended purpose of Paul telling the story. And I think that's where we might be going wrong when we think about generosity. I've been playing around with this theory. I don't think we have a generosity problem. To me, that's unproductive and I think a little bit unfair. Here's what I mean. I think we are actually incredibly generous because generosity is giving our money away. And we give our money away all the time. Some of us give our money away to other people who need it, and that's great. All of us, we give our money away in exchange for things that we need, like food or rent. And some of us, we give our money away in exchange for things that allow us to enjoy life. Last week, we talked about that being a really good thing. And we give our money away in exchange for things that we want. We give our money away to the future. We put it in savings or or we invest it. And when we die, quite generously of us, we leave behind everything that we've ever earned that we have left. And we give it away to everyone that we've left behind. You see, we are so generous that by the end of our life, we will have given away every single cent of money that we have ever earned. So the question is not, why aren't we more generous? We're really generous. The question becomes, why is not more of our generosity pointed towards other people? And I think the answer to that question is because we're afraid. Here's what I mean. I think all of us in one way or another, we fear peril of some kind, this impending peril that we feel is coming at any moment. This could be financial peril, like losing our job or an unexpected expense or medical bill or or another market crash. I mean, since the 2008 financial crisis, anxiety has skyrocketed. And I've seen that get passed down to our high school and college students. Or maybe we fear some sort of peril that we believe money can make go away. So we give our money away to the future. We put it in savings accounts and we invest it to protect us from this peril that is coming. We also fear fear emptiness. We hate the feeling of feeling empty. And so we give our money away in exchange for things that fill that emptiness, that lack of hope and joy and purpose and meaning. How's that going for us? When we give our money away to the future to protect ourselves, I heard someone call that making a bargain with the future. That's exactly what we're doing. It's like we're talking to the future and saying, okay, future, if I pay off all my debt, and if I give you this much money, will I be safe? Will you leave me alone? And the future's response is always the same. Maybe, and then you'll die. Great, that's really comforting. As far as that emptiness, we give our money away in exchange for things that fill that emptiness, things and substances, and and it works for a little while, but we're always left empty again. And every time we do that, that emptiness feels a little bit bigger and it requires even more to fill it, which is kind of a scary thought. See, we don't have a generosity problem. I think we have a fear problem. Imagine someone discovers that they love to travel. Like it connects with them. It's who they are. They were made to do it. They feel most alive when they are traveling around the world. But the problem is, is they have a fear of flying. 
it would be unfair to look at that person and say that they don't want to travel because they have a fear of flying. They do want to travel. They love to travel. It's who they are. They're just limited in their ability to do it because of what they're afraid of. And I'm wondering if it's unfair to say that we don't want to be generous or we are not generous towards others. We're just limited in our ability to do that because of what we're afraid of. We are going to give away every cent that we have ever earned by the time we're gone. We are generous people. We just can't afford to give too much of that to others because we are in peril and we need to protect ourselves from it. And we have this emptiness that can't be filled no matter how hard we try and we need to continue to do that. This is a miserable existence full of fear. But then we read this story about a group of churches. They don't seem to be afraid. Look again, verse two through four. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. So again, these churches, they are experiencing deep, extreme poverty, but they're giving away everything that they have and asking for more opportunities to do that. What is wrong with them? Like, don't they know that they are in peril? Don't they know that they are nearly empty? They have almost nothing left. But it seems as though that they don't fear peril. They have this abundance of joy. And they're generously giving away everything that they have as if they don't need it to protect themselves from this peril. They don't seem to be empty either because how can you overflow with something if you're not already full? It seems like what's going on here is these people because they don't fear peril or emptiness, they don't need any of their generosity to protect themselves from it. So that generosity is freed up to be pointed towards other people who need help. See, when there is nothing left to fear, there is everything left to give. So why aren't they afraid? Well, they learn something. See, when Jesus died on the cross to rescue us from sin and death, he also rescued us from the peril and emptiness of this world. He rescued us from the fears of this mortal existence. He gave us hope beyond this mortal existence. This is not the end. Jesus says he has overcome the world. And if we look at scripture, it appears that we have too. I want you to look at Romans chapter 8, starting in verse 37. It says this, sorry, verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, 
nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. We are not in peril. Not anymore. And we don't need to fear emptiness either because we're full of joy when we see and experience how much God loves us. And we are filled with purpose when we recognize that Jesus has invited us to join him in putting this broken world back together again. We are full of hope and full of peace when we see how safe we are in him. Jesus has rescued us from a miserable existence of fearing peril and emptiness and then we die. This is why the Macedonians aren't afraid. They're not crazy. They're free. Have you ever watched a basketball game or a football game where there's only a few seconds left and the winning team is ahead by just an astronomical amount? Like there is literally no way for the losing team to come back and win. Like the game is over. In those situations, have you ever noticed in those last few seconds that the players play differently? They're more relaxed. They're more risky. They take shots and make plays that they never would in any other situation. You could even say they're almost having fun. Well, if you thought that your team was down by three, that would look insane. Like you would be screaming at them. What is the matter with you? Don't you know that you're losing the game? There's no time left. Get the ball. What the Macedonians are doing looks insane. It looks absolutely crazy. And it would be crazy if they were in peril, if they were empty, but they see the score. We're not down by three, we're up by 300 and there's only a few seconds left. So they can pass the ball to poverty. They can pass the ball to affliction and suffering and pain. It's not going to change anything. The game is won. The Macedonians are playing differently. They're playing the game differently because they're free. They're not afraid anymore. When there's nothing left to fear, then there's everything left to give. See, we fear peril and emptiness. And so much of our generosity, much of the money we give away needs to be used to protect us from that peril and emptiness. But they don't fear peril and emptiness. So their generosity is freed up to be given to others. Now, if you are frustrated by how overly simplistic that is, good. If you're thinking to yourself, those words are fine. I know what Jesus did, but that doesn't change how I feel. I still feel in peril. I still feel empty. I still have this anxiousness and I worry. This doesn't change how I feel. You're right. It doesn't. And I don't know if it can, at least not that much. But this is not a story about what a group of people did. And this is not a story about what they knew or what they believed in hard enough. This is a story about what God did. Let's look again, chapter 8. This time, let's look at verses 1 and 3. Here's how Paul starts this story. He says, We want you to know, brothers and sisters, about the grace of God that has been given. 
among the churches of Macedonia. For they gave according to their means or their own power, as I can testify, and beyond their means, beyond their own power, of their own accord. Paul does not start this letter by saying, look how generous these people are so we can feel bad about how selfish we are. He doesn't start it by saying, look how faithfully they believed so we can see how little we believe. He starts this letter by saying, look what God did. How is this possible? Look what he's doing. Look what he made. Look what he enabled them to do. Look at the grace that God has given. Now, grace, it can refer to a whole bunch of different things. It can refer to what Jesus did on the cross, but it can also refer to the reality that has been opened up to us because of what Jesus did on the cross for us. And Paul, he doesn't go into detail here, but it seems like the grace that God gave the Macedonians was the ability to see beyond their own circumstances, the ability to embrace how safe and how full they are in him. The point of this story is that God gave these people a grace that was so powerful that it rescued them from a miserable existence of fear. And this grace was so potent and so deeply rooted that these impoverished people looked around at the few things that they had left and said with joy, I guess we don't need these anymore. Who does? Look what God did. If we are looking at this story to try to figure out how we can get back to being more generous towards others, how to reconnect with this thing that makes us come alive and, and is a piece of who I am and who you are and who we are together. We cannot overlook the fact that nothing we're reading about would have been possible if God had not stepped in. I mean, how else can you explain a group of poor people giving away everything that they have left? That doesn't make any sense. They were not able to do this because of their willpower, because of what they knew or how hard they believed because of their selflessness. The only reason they were able to do what's in this story is because God enabled them to do this. So if we are trying to muster up more generosity towards others through willpower or believing hard enough in the right things or shaming ourselves for being so selfish or being so possessive of what we have, I think we might be going about it the wrong way. It seems like what we should be doing instead is asking God for the grace to see beyond our circumstances for the grace to embrace how safe and full we are in him. To attempt to be this generous without God's help, I think might be like trying to do a jigsaw puzzle in a pitch black room. You'll probably find the corners and you might even get the edges done. It'd take a little while. But beyond that, it's gonna be nearly impossible. And it is gonna be incredibly frustrating and if you try to motivate yourself in that moment by saying, you just need to try harder, you just need to care more, you need to think about the people who don't even have a jigsaw puzzle. It's not going to do anything to help you. It's not going to do anything for you. What you need in that moment 
is just for someone to turn the lights on for you. Because once the lights are on, you can see the whole picture and it just becomes so much easier from there. When God gave the Macedonians this grace, it turned the lights on. And all of a sudden they can see the whole picture and it just made it a lot easier for them. When we fear peril and emptiness, it is dark. It is like being in a pitch black room. And when we are in that dark and anxious space, it is hard to see beyond ourselves, let alone help anyone else, even if we can hear them calling out for help. If you are desperate for someone to turn the lights on for you so it's not so dark anymore, I've got some really good news for you. What God did for the Macedonians, he wants to do for us too. Let's look ahead one chapter. After Paul gets done telling this whole story, he says this, chapter 9, verse 7. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency or contentment in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. What God did for the Macedonians, he wants to do for us too. God wants grace to abound in you. He wants us to be able to see beyond our circumstances. He wants us to be able to embrace how safe and full we are in him and being content in all things at all times from that contented place. Generosity will just overflow out of that. It seems to these verses that to God, generosity can only come from the heart. Interestingly, in ancient Greek, the language that this was written in, the word for generosity is the exact same word for sincerity, as if it's impossible to be generous without also being sincere. And so God, instead of mandating that we be generous, instead of forcing our hand to do this, instead, he sees our fears and our inability to see past them. And graciously, he wants to give us the ability to see beyond our circumstances. He wants to give us the grace so that we can embrace how safe and full that we truly are in him. God wants grace to abound in our lives. And from that heart of contentment, generosity overflows. Yes, God wants us to be generous towards others. That is so important to him. And it is a piece of who we are. That's why we come alive when we do it. But what he desires for us far more is for grace to abound in our life. Because one, he loves you. And he doesn't want you to be afraid. But two, because he knows when there is nothing left to fear, there is everything left to give. So yeah, this is a sermon and a series on generosity. But what I desire so much 
more is for grace to abound in my life, for the ability to see beyond my fears and my circumstances, to be able to embrace how safe and full I am with him so that being content in all things at all times, I can look around at the things that I have and joyfully say, I guess I don't need these anymore. Who does? God wants grace to abound in you. Generosity just abounds from grace. When I meet with couples who want to get married, I always ask them, why do you want to get married? thought it would be a good question to ask people who want to get married. And sometimes one of them answers by saying, well, I've always wanted to be married ever since I was a little kid. And that answer makes me a little uneasy. I have some follow-up questions to that answer. But sometimes one of them answers by saying, I want to get married because of how in love I am with this person. I cannot imagine spending the rest of my life with anyone except for them. That's a good answer. Because marriage is crazy. Let's be honest. Like, It is this insanely selfless thing. It truly does not make that much sense to me most of the time. And for someone to get married just to be married, that's something. I don't know what the chances of that lasting long-term are. But when someone wants to get married because it is this selfless expression that comes from this overflow of love that they have towards another person, That is something else entirely. That starts to make sense. Generosity, it's crazy, honestly. Think about it. It doesn't make sense. We give what we have for nothing in return. And being generous for generous sake, that's something. Again, I'm not sure what the chances of that lasting long term are. But when someone is generous because they have this overflow of grace that is just abounding in their life, and this is just the selfless expression of it, that is another thing entirely. We are going to give away every single cent we've earned before we're gone. But to what? Our fears? Ourselves? God wants so much more for us than that. He wants us to see how safe and full we are in him. He wants us to see that there is nothing left to fear so that we can see that everything left is to give. Let's pray together. So I'd like to start this prayer time together by giving us a chance to just really be honest about what we're afraid of. So let's just take a moment and think about what is worrying you lately? What is the peril that you fear? What is the emptiness that you feel? And please go easy on yourself. Don't try to rationalize it away. Don't, Don't judge yourself for feeling that way. Just allow yourself to acknowledge what are you afraid of right now? And invite God into that space while you do that. So I'll just give you a a brief moment to just think about that. What are you afraid of?
Okay, if you've got something, the next thing I'd like us to do is I want to give us a chance just to talk to God about those things. Again, don't be too hard on yourself. You don't need to rationalize it away or explain why what you believe is wrong or anything like that. Just talk to God about how you feel. Just talk to him like one friend would talk to another about what you're fearing right now. So I'll just give you a moment to do that. Okay, the last thing I'd like us to do together is just give God a moment to respond. Let's just be quiet for a moment, quiet our hearts and our minds and, and stop talking to him and give him a chance to talk to us. So let's just open up a brief moment of time and give God space to respond. See what he says in response to what you just shared with him. Father, thank you for your grace. Thank you that we do not need to fear peril or emptiness anymore. Thank you that we are saved and we are safe. And thank you for being gracious towards us and patient towards us as we slowly step into that reality. As we slowly embrace bit by bit, that this is actually true, that this is actually the reality that we can live in here and now. Father, we need your help to do that. Would you give us the grace to look beyond our circumstances, to look beyond our fears, to see what you see? Father, would you give us the grace to embrace the safety and the fullness that we have in you? And Jesus, thank you for making this possible. Father, as we step into that through our life. Would you help us not to overlook the opportunity that opens up for us? Would you help us the less and less that we fear, the more that we learn about you and the less that we fear, would you see how much more that we have to give? All the things that you provided us with, the blessings, the possessions, would we just hold them with an open hand gratefully holding them, knowing that you were the one who gave them to us, but fearlessly keeping our hands open, knowing that at any moment you could invite us to give what we have to someone else who needs it. Father, would you help us to live our lives with less fear and we would experience more of the joy and the life that we receive when we get to express the abundance of grace in our life through generosity towards others. You are incredible. 
And what you have invited us into is just mind-boggling. And we are so thankful for it. So we thank you and we pray this in your name, Father. Amen. All right. It's time for us to talk about the, the things that have just been t- talked about, have been spoken. Uh, okay, so, so kind of off the bat, I have to say, like, thank you, thank you, thank you for the poetry and the pictures and the thoughtfulness and uh, for being here. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, man. That, that, that was cool. Um, here's some things. I, I was kind of actually, I have a whole bunch of things that are just balled up. Beautiful. And um, I'm just hoping to talk about them. Cool. Um, all right. So I'm going to just have to just put it out there Great. because mm-hmm. I can't. Great. Like, well, let's ease into this. Um, let's go for so it. So the title of the sermon series is called Crazy Generous. Right. However, or it crazy is generosity. generosity. Yeah, yeah. However, um, one of those two. <laughs> it is a biblical theme, mm-hmm. and it's p- possibly a proven fact of just the human heart mm-hmm. that people that are poor mm-hmm. and do not have a whole lot to give, mm-hmm. they actually are super generous. Absolutely, it, it's just a biblical, th- and the 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 the. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. More? more affluent people are, mm-hmm. the harder it is to be generous. Right. And that is just, it, uh, it is a common thing. Like it's a biblical, like the, so if people have, the harder it is yep. mm-hmm. for them to give up. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm coming at it from this this place of, the title of the sermon series assumes that it's crazy because these people that don't have mm-hmm. are actually giving, yep. but it isn't crazy at all. This would be... Yeah, not to them. Yeah, this yeah. would be like a a common thing. Like, well, of course. Sure. And and I'm, I'm coming at it from a spot. Today, I had someone text me and they said, hey, can I go out to the beehives and pick a couple things kind of up that they have out there? And I said, sure, it's totally cool to go out there, but it is a bad time to go out by the beehives because the hives are full of honey. And during the times that the hives are full of honey, the bees are just cranky and very like stingy and they're not fun to be around. Interesting. Compared to in the (laughs) springtime, It's fun to be in the bees. Like, yeah, go on out there. Yeah. You don't even have to have a suit because yep. the hives are empty. There is no honey right. and they're not angry. Yep. Huh. And so crazy generous is going to assume that if the hives are full, the bees are like, come and be with us. Yep. Uh-huh, because uh-huh. it's not crazy because they have plenty. Right. Yeah. Right? Uh-huh. And so here are these passages mm. that I'm just kind of like should people change their idea of generosity like and the things that are crazy and the things that aren't yeah i'm just bringing that up because that's the starting place i'm coming from yeah Yeah. for sure and that's where i feel like man is this where the hypocrisy plays in because i've never like i've been lucky enough to have never experienced poverty like growing up or like since then 
And so having this experience of Mm. like a self-sustained lifestyle, like I think that's what it is, just like this self-sustaining thing. It's like I can sustain myself. Yeah, I don't need anything to sustain me. Mm. But then like weeds in this idea of like if I don't sustain myself, then nothing will. Yeah. It's like and so like the bees, it's like they have something to protect. Protect. And so they're angry and they're defensive, but when they have nothing to protect. Yeah, I got a a phone a couple hours ago. I upgraded my phone. Mm -hmm. And as I'm upgrading the phone, they're like, do you plan on buying the insurance? I'm like, no, that's okay. Mm -hmm. And they're like, are you sure? Like, (laughs) yeah, I don't want to buy the insurance because, okay, here's the thing. It's it's $20 per month to do it, right? Right. So if someone does not... It's going to be like 400 bucks by the time I can turn my phone in. That's right. half the price of the phone. Right. Anyway, and then they began telling me all the things that could happen. So in the back of my head, yeah. I'm like, man, should I protect my phone? Mm. Mm. And then it, it was just, mm-hmm. so if I have something or, or if I attain something, the first place I go to is how should I protect it? Yeah, self-preservation mode. Yeah, you're so right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm thinking too, after you're sharing that, just the level of compassion when you are coming from a place of less Mm -hmm. or poverty. Mm -hmm. And I think of my dad, he's one of the most generous people that I know. And he experienced like hardcore poverty, like he experienced hunger when as a child. So what brought him to this place is, I don't want anybody to ever experience this. And that level of compassion that I don't, because he felt in his skin what that is like. So I think as as soon as he started, you know, building things or having whatever capacity to give, he was in that place of, I want everybody to get out of this place of pain or a need because I know what it feels like. So in what you're saying, I think crazy is when we're in the opposite place where we are unable to have that feeling of empathy or compassion. You know, yeah, that totally. yeah. yeah. Like it makes me wonder like in the story of the Macedonians, was it easier for them to do this because they were already in poverty and they saw so it's like, okay, things are this bad and God is still taking care of us and we're still full. Like they're able to embrace the fullness. There is no option to self-sustain. So they're fully aware of how they are truly being sustained. And if it was like the wealthy Macedonians, mm. would that grace have broken through? Or in that defensiveness where they'd be like, no, 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 no. Don't take right. away what we have. Like Or... Did, I mean, like, or did they actually see themselves as poor? True. And because... (laughs) It doesn't seem like they did. Yeah, (laughs) and very often it's like, I'm taken care of. Yep. Mm -hmm. I don't have anything to protect. I don't have to fight for anything. Like, it's like God sustains. Yeah. It's what Stetson was saying. Like, that fear wasn't there. They didn't think through that perspective. Yeah, it's kind of like... They saw the jigsaw puzzle very clearly, mm-hmm. um, and the uh, the times that the hives are full, it's the times that the that the sun has gone down on the puzzle. Yeah, you know. Mm-hmm. 
I was talking the other weekend to a kid who came through our youth program. That's awesome. And yeah, <laughs> <laughs> good for you. I probably should. Yeah, that's I yeah. being one of the next gen best. Yeah, um, but he he good just job, got man. out of high school and man, like I, I can't go into too much detail about like he's in a tough spot, family wise and financially wise, but. He was showing me, he was asking me my opinion of which pair of shoes he should buy his little brother. And like, he's just barely like able to pay Mm. the bills. And like, his car broke down and he was just so at peace about it of just like, these things happen, it'll work out. And my car like broke down just last week. And it was like my whole world fell Mm. apart in that moment. And this kid who has next to nothing is barely scraping by. He's not worried about his car, and he's more concerned about which pair of shoes his brother would like more. Mm. It sounds kind of like he should be the pastor. I know. It's <laughs> like, here, take my hat. Here, this is for you. You're doing a sermon on Sunday. <laughs> Seriously, it's stuff like that. It's yeah. like, I'm so unqualified to talk on mm, this topic. It's good. I've had it so easy. Yeah. And, yeah. But that's the thing. You actually haven't because of the place you are. That's right. The thing that this is all about is it's harder for you to be generous than it is for him. Sure. Um, Yeah. It's harder for the camel to go through the eye of the needle than, I mean, like that too. Yep. 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 And this idea of the kingdom in that, that passage it's like man it's, it's easy for people that are in poverty to experience the kingdom of God. Right. Yeah. But those who have a lot, yeah. it's a tough journey for yep. you. There's a bunch. Yeah, and that's all about being generous, I think. Yeah. yeah. And that, here, here's the second thing I'm dying to bring mm. up. Mm. Is there a difference between being charitable and being generous? Mm-hmm. So I was thinking about this in, mm-hmm. as far as the sermon goes, because there's a lot of people that are charitable. I'm thinking about, um, all right, from a, Personal experience. Yeah. Um, growing up, uh, grandpa, he would come to town and the only time he would go to church, so as if the family was going to church. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and so uh, he would kind of always, there'd be this point to have $40. He had to, uh, you know, before going to church, he's like, do, do, do I have $40 to put in the offering plate? Um, he was doing that from a, a spot of being charitable uh-huh. compared to, I'm excited to give to the church. Yep. Yep. Um, and then thinking about tax deductions, thinking sure. about right. um, things to give because I should, thinking about these different check b- boxes. Yeah that are of the charitable charitable criteria. Uh-huh. And that is totally all right. Like there are things that I do to be charitable and to participate in that uh, charitable thing. Yeah. But then there are things that are from this like heartbeat right. of the yeah. overflowing yep. generosity yeah. of yep. yes, please. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can't quite put my finger on the difference between charity, charitability mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. and generosity. Yeah. Can't help me. Help me understand. Okay. Well, I, 
I know. I you don't claim I, to know. Okay. This is but a conversation. The thing, the thing that I thought about is like those verses in chapter nine where it's like generosity comes from the heart and God loves a cheerful giver. And again, that thing, it's like in Greek, generosity and sincerity are mm-hmm. the same thing. Like right. you can't separate one from the other. So I wonder if that's a part of it of just like, is there this desire or is it this motivation of, I have to, an obligation, mm-hmm. or there's a tax advantage mm-hmm. that's advantageous to me kind of a thing, opposed to just like, it is this like welling up overflow of like, it can't even be contained anymore. It's just falling out of me because of what that's I'm in abundance of. So t- taking that mm-hmm. and bringing in this theme of fear that you mm. brought in, mm. here's the thing I was thinking. And I was like kind of inspired by. I hold off in being charitable mm-hmm. during the times that, that I'm afraid. Mm, okay. Um, so I put off and I have that idea of, okay, after I hit this spot, mm. you know, da, 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 then, then charity comes into play. Okay. It seems that generosity is void of that. And this idea of there isn't any fear. Yep. A generous heartbeat, it almost dances on the grave of fear. Yep. Um, type of a thing. <laughs> but a charitable perspective, hmm. uh, it is for those of us who have all of the boxes yeah, checked. It's and, conditional. Yeah. yeah. And if, if all these boxes are checked, then mm-hmm. this happens. And it's in that perspective that the sermon title fits, Crazy Generous. Mm. Yeah. But for a heart that dances on the grave of fear, generosity mm-hmm. comes out to play. Yep. Uh-huh. Do you know what I mean? I do. That's really cool. I love that. Yeah. That's awesome. I had never thought of those two words like that before and how on the external on the outside they might look similar but what the heart motivation is is so different i really have been reflecting on this fear aspect of it because that's how it this message hits me Mm. is the places where i've been stuck on fear and why i haven't been able to go past and why my fishing gear is hung what is causing that fear in me um so i i just appreciate thinking of generosity less about money management or being a good Mm -hmm. steward Mm -hmm. and more like faith Mm -hmm. it's a lot more to do with my faith and how i'm dealing with my fears than with how you know i'm managing my money Mm -hmm. which is it seems obvious, but to me, you know, thinking of generosity, it's kind of the differentiation you're doing between ge- charity and generosity. I think to me, it's like, we got to be good stewards. And I think it's so much, I think you've blown my mind. It's so much more than our stewarding of the money. It's yeah. our faith. Mm-hmm. Yeah, isn't that hard? It's hard to like find that, I was about to say find that balance, but is there even supposed to be a balance? It doesn't seem that way. Yeah. yeah. And, and like, I was, I felt like, oh my gosh, the the things I'm like trying to do to set aside things for mm-hmm. the kids and college mm-hmm. and my 43B right. and I should mm-hmm. increase this if I have any extra, you know, like, you know, and I'm talking to it. 
hyzers and yeah. how do I be as padded as possible right. so right. I don't feel anxiety financially. Right. Right. You did a sermon that was for me. And me, <laughs> me too. Yeah. Like, honestly, like this one yeah. landed in my lap. And yeah. It was just like, oh, I have some things I need to think about. Yeah. <laughs> it's like after it's over, I just kind of want to go, bye. <laughs> Don't talk to me. Like yeah. what the, yeah. the dynamic between generosity and charity makes me wonder is like, what am I doing now on a regular basis that started as generosity but has shifted into mm, charity? Like so where good. have I lost the heart in the things that I'm giving to? Yeah. Like we've got a compassion kid. Yeah. My wife writes him. I've, I can't you don't even remember know the, his name. I, I do. Tell me his name. See? <laughs> no. You don't know oh, his name. Oh, man. You're putting me on the spot. But I know. Here, I'm, I'm, just, I'm shamelessly okay with not knowing because yeah. that's the whole that's point, the point that I'm admitting yeah. right. to of just like, no, Charity, it's yeah. this like regular thing that yeah. just comes out of my bank account and I don't even think about it because it's so small. But man, that's going to be bugging me. I'm going mm. to remember his name. Yep. But it's just yep. like, yeah, I remember clearly going to the table and signing up right. to adopt a compassion kid and how I felt in that moment, yeah, it's shifted into charity. Mm. I just heard this song. It's playing in my head. And I, 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 you got to apply it to this idea of charity and generosity. It's the pina colada song. The, do you like pina coladas? <laughs> okay, yeah. Because it's about a couple mm-hmm. who have has been together forever, but then they it, it just got boring, mm-hmm. and then they both began trying to find something else. Interesting. But then they found the each other. Oh. Yeah, like he puts a personal <laughs> thing up, and. She, she actually applied to the personal and showed up at the bar no to way. her husband. Yeah, oh, we'll and then the it's, it's again. funny, but they were both actually right. No, <laughs> but it's like this idea of the thing you're trying to find is the thing that you already have, and yeah. you oh did it gosh. in the beginning, but right. your heart right. has been gone gosh. out of the blah. Yep. Do you like pina coladas? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And KJC. That's how I that's feel. Such like, a good, that's such yeah. yeah, and like, I'm hoping um, that as as far as people in our congregation go and everyone who hears this sermon, that it feels like very, ins- like it's just inspiring to mm-hmm. be like, don't be afraid. Yeah. And yep. this idea of, of uh, you are generous. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But the things that keep your heart hostage is fear mm-hmm. and anxiety right. and to be set free from right. fear and anxiety right. yep. wow what yep. a gift yep yeah. and then generosity is just like an effect of that cause and it's and it's dancing on yep. the grave right. of fear and i mean isn't that like the personification of the gospel yep. it's like dancing on the graves of yep. yeah. of shame and guilt and death and that's I so want to party here yeah. <laughs> and bring pina coladas. That's right. Do you got anything else? How are you? No, you I, I'm just sitting on the fear thing. I have nothing else to add. I'm reflecting on these points you guys made. I'm just trying to remember the name of my compassion child. 
I'm such a terrible person. No, you're not. <laughs> What's his name? It, hey, <laughs> that's being real. Yeah, tell me, KJ. <laughs> I am texting my wife as soon as we're done here. <laughs> this is going to bug me. Uh, uh, all right. Um, so is there something that d- d- did not get put in the sermon that could have been put in the sermon but just didn't fit? That had been kind of fun, ex- inspiring. Um, man, I think this was the whole package. Good I, for you. I, I can't think of anything, to be honest. So, well, okay, I read this great book, um, or more of like a letter by Saint Basil the Great, mm-hmm. and man, like, it, I think. All of his, well, there's like this chunk of paragraphs that I think can be summed up. A fear of poverty leads to poverty of the soul. Whoa. And like. Whoa. (laughs) Man, like the things that he wrote, it's just like so good. fear of poverty leads to poverty of the soul. Uh Uh-huh. And and he, he writes like three different letters for like three specific situations. Like, um, uh, giving to the poor during like famine and uh like uh re- uh giving loans to people and requiring interest and like a couple other main titles but like that was one of the first things i did when i found out what i'd be speaking on and i don't know i just really recommend it okay i have a couple of things about that okay so in college and i always called him saint Basil. Yeah, I don't know which one it is. And it's either Basil or Basil. Hearing Basil, I was like, that's probably correct. He probably is not Saint Basil. So I feel embarrassed about I've, I've I've talked about him quite a lot in college and so it's like <gasps> I said Basil. I, dude, it could be either one. Yeah. I don't know. Um the other thing, um the fear of poverty is poverty of the soul. Uh, um the other day following the being exposed to the content sure. for the first time mm-hmm. there was this question that kept like like hankering in the back of my my mind it was simply what do you want mm. what do you want and because i feel like i'm i'm Grasping at things. Yeah. I'm very active yep. and I'm very, you know, and I'm like, what do you want? Mm. And like you're the, asking yourself that? Or yes. Asking, okay. All right. And it was like, mm. if I break it down, here's like the purest of my heart answer I want God. Mm-hmm. And then it goes to, then why? Yep. Yeah. And I had like this holy experience Mm. and so i think like this this sermon is about generosity right it's crazy generosity sure but it's not it's about the heart it's about fear it's about god it's about freedom it's about gospel it's about graves it's about dancing and partying and it's about the poverty of the soul that Mm. everyone is trying to cover up Uh and it's kind of like there's this 
question behind it all. Yep. What do you want? Yeah, mm. that's really good. Oh, so thank you. Mm. Yeah. That's really good. Mm. Well, I all guess right. this is a good <laughs> this is a good moment for us to maybe transition to are oh, you yeah. gonna share the college? Yeah, yeah. Before we're done, we just wanted to at least stop and say thank you so much to those of you who are really being generous towards this church financially. Like when you all do that together um, collectively as a church. The things that we're able to do, there are some incredible things happening. And there's so many things that we could talk about. But one that comes to mind, like an area that I'm involved in, is once a month we serve dinner to uh, a big group of college students over at Zoe's Cafe here in Greeley. And we do that just to express love for them and care for them. And, and we give them like a great dinner. That's like a huge step up from just like ramen and ham sandwiches and pizza. Uh, but it's a chance for us to meet college students that maybe we wouldn't get the chance to meet before and like connect them with people uh, that really want to get to know them and love them. But uh, something that we do is we hand out these care packages at this dinner uh, for homeless people so that the college students can take those with them, and if they're at like a stoplight or something. Okay, time out. Yeah. So the people who are getting these care packages yeah. to give out to yeah. homeless people, they aren't college kids who would typically, or they aren't like coming to our church. They're yeah. not like right. part of our college program. Right. They are there at Zoe's drinking coffee, hanging mm -hmm. out. Mm -hmm. Then they get a dinner mm -hmm. by just like, wow, thanks. Yeah. And then you're like, here, participate in the gospel. Yep. Okay, cool. I just want to, I'm, yeah. I'm hearing this. I'm like, that's incredible. Yeah, no, yeah that's, that's a portion of them. Like some of them are connected, but there's a lot that are just like, hey, we're serving dinner tonight. And they're like, oh, cool. Yeah. Like, and we have these care packages. They're like, this is amazing. And so it's cool because we've handed out like probably a couple hundred care packages so far and they're just out getting distributed. I have goosebumps. I love this. I know. It's cool. And so this is like. Stop the, being so this, awesome. No, it's <laughs> no, seriously, like, that's how it feels. I'm it's like, a collective oh effort. I'm not yeah. taking credit for this. But no, the, that's the whole, whole point, point is saying like, thank you yeah, for being generous. You yeah. guys should take credit for this because it's because of that. Like God is using the things that you're gifting towards Man. this church. It's really fun to see and be a part of. So we just wanted to make sure you knew. So that's dude. incredible. Yeah. Well, <laughs> that was so fun. Yes, that, okay. that was it for today. Thank you for joining us and have a good rest of your day. I just remembered his name is Jason. That's my compassion child's name. We made the camera crew turn everything back on again. Oh, it feels so much better remembering that. <laughs>